a very special announcement. The Customer Conference Europe is back in London. This is a great opportunity to meet international customer success innovators. For more information, check the link in the show notes. My next guest is Valentina Turner. Valentina has over 10 years of experience in the customer support industry. She currently acts as Empress of Remote and Quality at Klaus, customer service quality management platform. Previous experiences include leadership roles at companies like Automatic and Yahoo Write Media, as well as the startup space. And yes, she does wear a tiara. She'll be telling us more about her career journey next. Join me and let's open that toolbox. I'm getting new insights from outside of work into work because now suddenly I'm involved in more than only one social structure, but it's not everything, which means that people will most likely focus more on work when they are at work, but then be gone. Hi, Valentina. Welcome to CSM Toolbox. How are you today? Hello, Isabel. Thank you for having me. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time today. So if you could please tell the audience what problem is Klaus trying to solve? So Klaus is a service quality management platform. That means that if you have a customer service team and you really want to help your agents to level up or you want to find where there are inefficiencies in your processes, then you can use Klaus to actually understand what is happening in your um, customer conversations. So we work a lot with hyper growth companies and they... Because of the high growth, they really need to dig into what is coming in in terms of conversations because at some point you just can't review every single conversation as it happens. It's just too much. So our platform helps to detect where conversations can be improved, whether you need a coherent action plan to help your agents level up or whether something is actually wrong with the processes because maybe you grew too fast and now the process that used to work half a year ago is not really appropriate anymore. So these things you can use Klaus to get a plan on how to improve that. As you said there, that company, especially at that stage of that hyper growth, if there's anything in terms of automation or that can actually facilitate that engagement with the customer, really, mm -hmm. I mean, it's more more than welcome for sure. Yeah, the thing is, if you just look at a random sample of all the conversations that happen, you get random insights. What you really want to do is use the little time to have to look at the conversations that will actually make a difference, that are outliers for some reason or other. And that's where technology can really help because otherwise it's like trying to find a needle in the haystack. Yeah, and I will say that even giving context to the data, I mean, data is it's great to have, but I, mm -hmm. I think it even works even better when you actually get that context behind. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. And on that note, Valentina as well, what have you learned from your customers' feedback so far? So, of course, at, at Klaus, we use Klaus. Mm -hmm. So, and we call it actually cat fooding. Like everybody <laughs> nice. in the company reviews <laughs> conversations that happen with our customers. So, and we use that as input on the one side, because of course, everybody in our team using the platform realizes which of the things could be challenging for our customers. And because even engineers, as they are reading through conversations with real customers, they suddenly understand the pain of the end customer because in most companies product and engineering 
are kind of distanced from the customer facing roles. And then it's easy to kind of forget that you are actually creating those products and you're doing these engineering processes because somebody is on the other side who's going to use your product. So by using clouds within clouds, we actually manage to bridge that gap. And then we don't only analyze our own customer feedback, but also have are very active in support driven in the customer success accelerator and different Slack communities where we can actually talk to people who are like our customers so that we are not only looking at people who are already using clouds, but also on to people who might be interested in using clouds to figure out like which are the things that we should maybe hone in on a little bit more to also be attractive from for them. One thing that's very clear, CSAT doesn't cut it anymore. Like if you're only looking at CSAT for your customer feedback, you are stopping short on the real insights because you're not getting enough of it. It's not usually not very actionable and you depend way too much on the customer's current state of mind that may or may not be connected with the conversation that they just had with you. In the last two years, as everyone else that we are our circumstances have changed. Our customers' circumstances have, ch have changed as well. Oh, so yeah. I think it's whatever it might be happening on their side that you can look at, send as, as we were touching on earlier, at that data. But at the same time, I think it's better to have that context as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and your customer doesn't know what is the right process within your company. Like, why why should they know? They reach out to you because they have a problem. They want that problem solved and they don't care how it gets solved. They want a solution or they want at least to be heard. And then what happens in the background, it's none of their concern and it shouldn't be. So you cannot expect from them to give you CSAT on how your refund policy works because they only know the outcome. I mean, they, they get their money back and they are happy. But was this yeah. really as streamlined as it could have been in-house? Or maybe they are unhappy because they didn't get a um, refund, but your uh, support agent did everything right because they didn't, uh, um, they weren't under the, the policy where they could get a refund. So they get a negative CSET, but it's actually not a negative CSET. I mean, the CSET is negative, but yeah. the result is the support agent did everything right. So actually, they should get praise for it and not a negative CSET, which then maybe even has an impact on their bonus. So that's why it's so important to not only look at CSET, but also look at what we call the IQS, the internal quality score, where actually people who understand what should happen rate what has happened and not just going on the emotional reality of the customer, which is important, definitely. Like we need to take customers seriously and we need to listen to them and we need to hear them out. But that does not mean that they are always right because sometimes they don't have the knowledge to know what should have been going on in the background. Yeah, that is so true. I think there's a lot of tech conversations that happen if it's with support, if it's with customer success as well, that I'm thinking from that point of view, from that perspective, that we will see customers churning. But maybe to begin with, they were customers that we weren't a right fit for each other. Yeah, that happens. So I think it's a lot of the times, I think it's, it has to start somewhere that if we are trying to maybe in, in many different ways to solve a particular situation with the mm -hmm. customer. But at the same time, if it wasn't a right fit from the beginning, there's not much that like, we can do as much as possible. But again, it wasn't a right fit from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's just extending the agony, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. Valentina, from your role as well at Klaus, what energizes you? <laughs> Actually, I'm spending way too much time at the computer. <laughs> 
<laughs> and at screens in general, which is why my biggest energizing is actually going outside and going into na nature to walk, to run, to hike somewhere where there are no screens. And actually, I've gone so far that for Lent now, I'm giving up Instagram. Like I'm going to do seven weeks without Instagram. So far, it's going up well because I realized that it's my brain against the whole department of neuroscientists who are only working on making that app as addictive as possible. <laughs> And I have so many other decisions to make every day that in that case, it's just easier for me to say, okay, I'm not going to use this app. And instead, whenever I feel the urge to take my f my phone I think about, do I have the time to just go outside and like, well, even if it's just walking around the block, what also helps is that I'm now doing a step competition with my flatmate. So okay. it actually, that means I win. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, outside is definitely, and I can really recommend it. It's, it's very interesting how much, how much your brain actually starts to think about new ways to solve existing problems if you just give it movement and exercise. And I don't mean like going on a treadmill, like exercise in terms of doing a high intensity workout, or, but but just like walking, just moving mm -hmm. your body and get, getting this fresh air and a little bit of movement. Like it's it makes a hu huge difference. Actually, I can also recommend doing walking meetings. Like if you have a one-on-one -on -one with a remote person or even with somebody in the office and it's not raining, Which for me, living in Spain, it's kind of easier yeah. than if you live in Estonia. But like, you can totally like go outside and combine the two things with each other. Yeah, I mean, if we if somebody is stuck, we tell them you need a fresh perspective. And in the end, if we look at those words, a fresh perspective is changing something in what you're looking at. So like changing your surroundings actually gives you a fresh perspective if you take the problem with you and then mull over it while you're looking at different things. And now that you said about, well, being uh, based in Spain, I'm sure you will have uh, remote teammates as well. So mm -hmm. even from your title as Empress of Remote and Quality, which I love, <laughs> where do you see the future of remote work going? So I think there is no going back to everybody has to go to the office. I don't think the office will completely disappear, but I think that long-term we have to figure out how to be more intentional with in-person meetings. So as from a management perspective, of course, it's much easier to just say, everybody has to go to the office and then I'm going to walk over my open floor layout and do like a little bit of flyby management and feel super cool because I have all these people reporting to me. And I mean, I kind of see whether they're working or not. When I'm managing remotely, it requires a lot more conscious talking to the people, having one-on-ones and not just... Uh, coffee chats, but actually going a little bit deeper, figuring out what should everybody be doing? How can I support them? So for especially for middle management, it's actually a lot more work. And I think there's a lot of resistance coming from this that, oh, I have to learn new skills. I have to new, learn a new way of working. And it just feels so overwhelming. And I think a lot of managers actually don't get the, the support that they need to be uh, successful remote managers, because you cannot just put the office on Zoom. Like Zoom fatigue is a thing. Our brain is not made to be in one Zoom meeting after the other. So like you need to find new ways to collaborate, to make sure to hold people accountable, but also to trust people that they are going to do the right thing. And if they don't, maybe they weren't the best fit in the first place. 
So I think we're going to see a, a big shift there on how people think about work, how we think that work is maybe not the one and only most important thing, because that's the other thing. If we all work from home, or not all, but if many people work from home, mm -hmm. and it automatically means that our best friend won't be somebody from the team anymore, because usually we have friendship with a lot of people at the office because it's the people that we spend most time with. If you now spend less time with people at work, you need to counterbalance this. You need to find people in your community that you can spend time with. This can be your family, but if you're living abroad, and we both are in that uh, boat, then you need to find people in your community, be it over a joint hobby or a joint activity or because you're volunteering for something or because you're engaged in something. And I think as people learn to be social outside of work, it's much easier to then also to reassess, yeah, I work is important. I'm getting new insights from outside of work into work because now suddenly I'm involved in more than only one social structure, but it's not everything, which means that people will most likely focus more on work when they are at work, but then be gone when work is done. And I think that's something where the pandemic actually has led us to believe that everybody will always overwork. But that's because during the pandemic, I mean, you were stuck at home anyway. I, you could just as well be working. But if you have other activities outside from work, then suddenly work becomes these things that you do in your work hours and then everything else happens outside. And there are things that happen outside of this. And I think that from a company point of view, we need to learn to encourage our employees to actually find those inspirations outside of work. We cannot expect work to solve all the problems. As many health perks as we can come up with, there is nothing as good as having a chat with a neighbor that you get along with very well and know that you can trust other people that are close to you physically. And it doesn't need to be work. And I think there's like this discussion around, oh, but people will feel lonely when they can't go to an office. I, that is a problem. If they feel lonely because they can't go to an office, then your office is too pivotal for their life and you need to change that. So I think we like this is not a change that will come from today to tomorrow, but I think it's a direction that cannot be reversed because too many people have seen that by not spending two hours, three hours per day in a commute, by being able to simply pick up the kid from school and then continue working instead of having to log off completely for the rest of the day because it's all everything is too far away. Too many people have seen how that gives them back life quality for themselves. And so companies who co now compete with other companies from other countries and not just with the other three companies within the city will have to learn to adapt to this, whether they want it or not. I have mentioned this uh, a few times that even myself as an introvert, I think at the start of all of, of these two years ago, I actually embraced it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, same happened to me. <laughs> also from since last year, I motivated myself to start this podcast, but also I think my network grew so much like within the customer success community as well as you said we might not be under the same roof with our colleagues but i think it's just trying to find those communities i like to do water coloring so i might find a group that will do that now things are have opened up now so i hope a lot of people are actually trying to find those communities or those people as well as support because i, I think that's where now in the last two years that's what where we have had to reach out. Maybe we weren't thinking of doing that, but I think that has been done mm -mm. so much more. 
And actually, that's, that's a very good point. If you like watercoloring, you will find the group where you can do this. And if you don't know what you want, because there are people mm. who have been so absorbed with the work that they yeah. don't even know what they like or what their hobbies mm. could be. In that case, well, go to that watercolor class. You've never done watercoloring. You have no idea whether you like it. Well, yeah. try it out. Mm. Maybe you realize you love it. Maybe it's meh. But that girl that you met there, you're really on the same wavelength. So you continue going to watercolor, not because of the watercoloring per se, but because it gives you an activity to do together with people who you like having conversations with. And that is also valuable. And I think that's something we all have to learn. A hobby is not a competition. Like if you have a hobby, like you just enjoy doing the thing. And if your watercolor will never be ex be, be in a local <laughs> exhibition, who yeah. cares? Like you're going yeah. there because you're having a exactly. good time and you're meeting with other people. So <laughs> like if you think there's nothing in your surrounding that you can do, like check out Meetup or the local, like usually smaller villages have like still paper, paper mm. leaflets where you can see like who's meeting when and then go to a Tai Chi, tai -chi class or learn watercoloring or sign up for the choir. I mean, so you're mm. going to learn something and you'll see other people who are also leaving the house to do something different. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Those are great ideas as well. And from your experience at Klaus and what I have seen with customer success, that one of the closest partners that we have is actually customer support. So mm. what advice would you give us in customer success, either to help us build or improve the partnership between success and support? Set up a weekly meeting and talk. Like having more conversation happening within different company functions is totally underrated. And it doesn't need to be everybody in customer success meets everybody from customer support on a weekly basis. Like, yeah. but standing meeting where people can bring up things that went well, things that didn't go well, and make sure that you give an opportunity where people from both departments can actually talk to each other one on one on topics that may not even be uh, related to their job function, but that they just get to know the other person in person, especially if you're remote. And that's not only something for customer support and customer success, but also, for example, product and customer support or customer success. Like the more you talk to each other and the more you realize that it's also, it's just people on the other side. It's not us versus them. It's not those people who didn't do the handover correctly and these people who did No, It's just humans. And like everybody tries to do their best. And sometimes we don't get there and sometimes we do so like by having uh, conversations and actually share hey this is how a day in customer support looks like and this is how mm -hmm. a day in customer success looks like and mm -hmm. we think in oh it needs to happen immediately oh and we think in oh we need to prepare the terrain because there is a renewal upcoming in three months like just understanding these different horizons and how each department thinks helps a lot to build empathy across functions and this empathy Like you cannot uh, build that just by reading about what others are doing. You actually need to talk to the people. And that's why it's usually it's my number one recommendation for most problems between departments is have people talk to each other and create a relationship that does not only depend on blaming the other one for what went wrong today or yesterday, because that is easy and happens far too often, but it's also not accurate. In the case of customer success, I will get to engage with a lot of people, but that doesn't apply for everyone or for a lot of departments. So they, as you said, a day in the life of maybe finance or legal, and mm -hmm. maybe that will allow us to understand 
I mean, they are, as you said, they are human and it might sound really simple, but it's just the fact that we don't get to do that often. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, gives us something to think about for sure. And I think seeing how other people think can actually also help you to really develop your own awareness of how you think. If you are in customer success, you probably think very differently to somebody who is in legal or accounting. So like just having an having them walk you through a day, but also maybe, hey, you took this decision. Can you walk me through how you came to this outcome? Because maybe I would have decided the Mm -hmm. same, but I want to understand what your thought process was and then see like how other people think through situations. It gives you like a very different appreciation of how actually we we are only the center of our own world, but we're Mm -hmm. not the center of the world. Yeah, no, totally. That gives me something to think about as well. And well, Valentina, before I let you go, one question that I like to ask all of my guests, what's in your toolbox? Obviously, other than Klaus, what mobile or web app you cannot live without? And it can be work-related and not work-related. So number the number the app that I most use on my phone is definitely Yuka, which is Y-U-K-A. And it's a hmm. barcode scanner, which tells you how healthy or unhealthy whatever thing you want to buy is. So I, in the supermarket, I basically scan everything. It's impressive. It has really changed the way I eat because if something is like zero out of 100, I put it back. And actually, I also use it with my kids. And they, I mean, they still eat chocolate, but they actually choose the less processed chocolate because they see it has a higher score. So Yuka is an amazing app. And then Garmin Connect and Strava. So I I have a Garmin Mm. watch for my running and hiking, etc. And then I import it all in Strava to kind of follow where I'm walking. I think those Mm -hmm. two are the one that I use most. And then Todoist on the Mm. work side. Todoist to keep track on the things that I want to do and Rome Research. There's an alternative which is called Obsidian, which is free, I believe. And Rome Research is web-based and is a subscription. And there I have actually, like I take all my notes in there, but I also have a section which I call To Done. So while Todoist has all my to-do on (laughs) Rome Research, I put everything that I have done. But because very often things jump up and you you do something and it was never on your to-do list because you actually didn't like you didn't plan for it. So whenever I've done something, I'm going to put it into my to-done list. And then at the end of the week, I just filter for all the things that I have done. And then I get this kind of accomplishment that even though you feel you spent the entire week in meetings, then you realize, oh, I actually did push forward some conversations and I got some things done. And it was not a waste of time that I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those are sound like great apps. Yeah, no, I, I, other than Strava, I have heard, but yeah, the others I haven't. So yeah, no, thanks for that. And I'm sure I know the answer to this. If folks will want to reach out, where will be the best place for them to do that? The quickest way is probably LinkedIn, which is mm. my my social network vice of choice. <laughs> yeah. So like, and there's only Same. one one Valentina Turner on LinkedIn until my daughter comes of age, and there will be two. <laughs> but for now, there's only me. I also have a website which is ValentinaTurner.com. Probably easiest to get there from my LinkedIn page, though. <laughs> and then KlausApp.com on the blog. I also do some of the content. So mm-hmm. these three are probably the best opportunities to get in touch. Okay. Cool. I'll make sure to link those in the show notes. So yeah, it was a pleasure, Valentina. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Esse podcast foi editado por Aerolitos, edição inteligente.